Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Good, good. Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to continue our series today. If you've missed any of the last few weeks, this has been an incredible series as we've looked at the most powerful, most sold, most popular book of all time. We've talked about what makes this book special. We've talked about how we can benefit from it in our lives, and we've talked about how we can study it. And I hope that you have been encouraged and inspired as we've walked through this series to start digging in and seeing for yourself what makes this book incredible. If you've missed any of the last few messages, they're all online, and I would encourage you to go check them out. But today, we're going to conclude the series talking about what I think is the hardest part of seeing the power of this book. And that is taking what we learn, what we see, what we educate ourselves with that's in here and actually integrating it into our lives. This is where it gets the most difficult is actually applying the things that are in this book I'm in a small group that meets on Sunday nights as a couples group. There's a guy in our group a couple weeks ago that shared, he said, you know, every Sunday I hear something incredible from the word that inspires me, it, it encourages me, it challenges me, and I leave so motivated and I start changing some things that, that day and how I'm thinking, I'm a little more kind and I start walking this out and by the time Monday rolls around and I go back to the routine of my normal life or I go back to work, it's like I change scenes and I completely either forget what I had just read and what I was just trying to put into practice or it's just too hard and so I just find myself kind of defaulting back into how I was before what I saw and what I read. And as he was saying that, I was like, man, I don't even just feel that just on Sundays. I feel that anytime I hear anything from this word, like every single day that I open this to read it or to hear it, I will be so inspired and challenged and encouraged. And for a couple hours, I'll be strong. And it's as soon as like lunch rolls around and I change scenes, it's so easy to stop applying this into my life because I just find myself defaulting to what I was doing before. Integrating the Bible into our lives can be difficult. It can be difficult even if we have the right intentions. Even if we intend on applying what is in this book, it can be difficult. And when we, when we struggle to walk that out, maybe you're like me where you find yourself discouraged because you're unable to kind of keep going or you're unable to remember, or maybe you, maybe you find yourself feeling guilty or overwhelmed by your inability to keep up with it. And when that happens, it's easy to buy the lie that maybe this book isn't actually as powerful as it claims to be. Or, or maybe this book is powerful for someone else, but there's something wrong with me that doesn't allow me to see the power in it. And that can be the phase where it's so easy to then all of a sudden give up. You've, ste you've stepped this far to say, okay, I wanna see if this book is special. I wanna dig in, I wanna open, I wanna study for myself. But, but when it's hard to live out, it's easy to start to give up. Or, or maybe one of the reasons that it's hard to integrate in your life, and, and I've found areas of my life that this takes place is, we've talked about in this series how this book is also offensive. Like there's some incredible things in this book. There's some incredible truths that we all love. There's grace and mercy that's unmatched that we love to read about. 
There's love that's unmatched that we love to read about, stories that are incredible. There's powerful stories, stories of miracles and healing that are entertaining and exciting. But if you spend any amount of time in here, you're gonna find yourself turning down some streets that are not so safe. <laughs> They're not so safe for your soul or your wants or your flesh. You're gonna find that there are some offensive things in this book that are going to challenge your thinking. Because this book, it, it's, not, it's not morally stagnant. This book has opinions on morals because it's written about a God who created morals. And so he tells us what his morals are in this book. And he has an opinion about things that culture wants to tell us what's true or false or right or wrong. What our feelings wanna tell us is true or right or false or wrong or other, other outside opinions want to tell us. The Bible has stuff to say about. It has stuff to say about what's right or wrong and how we spend our money. It has stuff to say about what's right or wrong and how we conduct ourselves within relationships, even with relationships of people who've done something wrong to us or who've hurt us. It, it has opinions on what is right or wrong in regards to sex and sexuality. It's got stuff to say about what's right or wrong when it comes to parenting, when it comes to how we spend our time. The Bible has standards and morals. And maybe you've come across some things that challenge you to say, you know what, I'm not sure. And what can happen is we can approach this book and we can compartmentalize it. We can put it into a place where we can feel religious or spiritually connected to God, but disconnect it from other areas of our life that we don't wanna allow God into. And I want you to know something, that if we walk in that way, to have this book just be a portion of our lives and not integrated into every area of our life, we are missing out in what this book can and wants to do in your life and in my life. And in fact, in Ezekiel, there was a prophet that God was using to share his word, and this was how the people were responding to the word of God at, at the time. And this can happen so easily to us as well when we wanna feel spiritually connected but we don't wanna allow it to challenge us or change us or transform us. This is Ezekiel 33, it's on the screens. So my people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words and their hearts seek only after money. Other translations say that their hearts seek their own gain. You're very entertaining to them, like someone who sings love songs with beautiful voice or plays fine music on an instrument. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. The people of God at this time and really throughout history, this is a picture of what can happen when we appreciate what God has to say, but we don't trust him with allowing what he has to say to infiltrate areas of our life. And we've said throughout this series, this book is special. It will benefit your life. It is possible to study it. But without integrating this book into every aspect of your life, into who you are at church and who you are at home and who you are in your career and who you are in your relationships and who you are at the game and who you are on the guy's night or the gal's night, without allowing this book to infiltrate every area of your life, you are forfeiting the ability to see what makes it so special. You're missing out on all the benefits that it has for you and you're wasting any time that you're spending to study and educate yourself with what is in here. 
the reality is that this Bible can transform your life and bring incredible things. Like we've talked about this whole series, but the reality is, is that it will challenge you before it ever comforts you. When it comes to applying and obeying the Bible, it will challenge you before it ever comforts you or transforms you. But to see this book's power, we gotta integrate it into our lives. And so today I wanna talk about three ways that we can uh, that we can, we can know how to integrate this into our life. How do we integrate the Bible into our lives? To do that, we're gonna start in 2 Timothy 3.16. We read this on week one. We're gonna anchor ourselves in this verse today. It says that all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us what to do is right. How do I integrate the Bible into my life? Number one, need to know this. The Bible shows me what is right. I know that seems simple, but I want you to track with me today. The Bible shows me what is right. I'm going to read part of that verse again. It says, all scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is, what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Other translations say it's useful for teaching and reproof. The word of God has a standard for morals. It teaches us what is right. It shows us what is right and wrong in our lives. It shows us what is right and wrong in the world. And the author that wrote this in Timothy followed this just a few verses later with a warning to his friend that he was writing to about a day and age where people would take in a committee of opinions on what is right where people would start to look for what's right in all the wrong places. Let's look at 2 Timothy 4, verse three. He said, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound, wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. A time when people will start to take in a committee to help them shape what is right, to help them feel good about what they think is right. This is also known as confirmation bias that can take place. And so I want to illustrate how we even do this. Even those of us who've made a rhythm of allowing the Bible to be a part of our lives, who come to church, maybe you even read it on a regular basis, you can still fall into the category of looking for the teaching that your itching ears want to hear. And so to illustrate it, I want to go over here to my uh, kitchen real quick. My favorite meal of the day is my morning smoothie after my workout. I love, I love just, it's, it's my favorite, it's cold, it's refreshing after the workout. Uh, my protein is flavored, chocolate peanut butter, it's amazing, so good. Um, so I want, I want you to just kind of envision in your life that this blender is, what we're going to put into it are the influences that we are allowing to have authority or teach us what is true or wrong, what is right or wrong. And, and that's the stuff that we're going to take in and we're going to see like, as, as we take in what teachers have to say, as we give influence, let's kind of determine what's healthy and what's not. So let's start, maybe you're one of the teachers that you have in your life is, is church. And, and so you've got, 
you know, you're, you're here, whether Pastor Greg or one of, our, one of our teachers is up here teaching the word, or maybe it's in a, in a small group that you're a part of or the team that you serve on. Maybe you're hearing some truth from one of the leaders or some scripture from that. And so you're getting some solid teaching there and you picked a good church. So I got almond milk, all right? So we're staying healthy, okay? And so we'll, we'll throw that in and that, that's good. That's a good, good choice, good, good teacher, okay? A church that's grounded in the word, it's important. And then maybe this series has inspired you. And so you didn't just want to stay at milk. You wanted like meat. You wanted to dig deeper. And so you started to read the Bible yourself. You started to make a routine. You got a Bible reading plan. And so we got our protein. Again, it's chocolate peanut butter. So we're going to throw that in. So good. So far good, right? And then maybe, maybe there's some other teachers that, that you've, you've wanted to hear from that have some great stuff to say. Maybe you've, maybe you've subscribed to a podcast that is a, another pastor or another leader or an author or an influencer who's grounded in the word or maybe a YouTube channel. And so you're allowing that person to teach you. And again, if they're grounded in the word, this is, this is great. So I got some, uh, some fruit here, some blueberries we'll throw in. Now, any of uh, my nutrition specialists so far, pretty healthy, right? Pretty healthy, not, not, nothing in here to be alarmed about yet. Now, all of this is good, but, um, you know, God and, and church and these other influencers that trust God, they, uh, they help me, but there's other parts of my life that they don't really know what's actually, like, fully best for me. There's certain areas of my life that I kind of, I have instinct that I know what's better for me. And so one of my favorite teachers when it comes to this is my feelings. My feelings can really help me understand um, what's best for me. So I, I got some ice cream. Uh, so we're going to keep this really good and healthy. And my feelings know, like, they know what tastes best, and it's kind of melted now. I think the worship team ate a couple bites. That's, I'm kidding. Here we go. We'll throw that in. All right. That's not, that's not horrible yet. I mean, we've got, we got some good stuff in there. We've got protein and almond milk and fruit and ice cream. Everything in moderation, right? Like, that's not, that's not too bad. And, and then, you know what? There's, there's some... There's some other teachers that help shape the way that I live and the actions in my life. And one of those is tradition. It's just the way it's always been. It's, it's what I was taught that we were supposed to do. And so I'm just trying to keep up with what has always been there, tradition that's always been there, staying regimented with what's always been there. So I was thinking back to some of the things that I was taught nutritionally as a kid. And uh, I played soccer for one year when I was a kid, there was only one year that I played, the team that I played on lost every single game. It was a blast. And that's why I only played soccer for one year. But you know what my favorite part of the game was? After we would exhaust ourselves running around and losing because we lost every game, after the game, one of the parents would be responsible, you know what for? Snack time, that's right. This was the best part. And, and there was some great advice. Like there was some good nutritional value to what they wanted to replenish us with after running around and exerting ourselves. And I learned so much about what would really help me be replenished. So I have some uh, Capri Sun and some Gushers. So good. And why would I abandon this? I mean, I was taught this as a kid. This is incredible. So we'll, we'll pour a little bit of Capri Sun in there. Well, this is gonna be good. 
Mm. Anybody curious about the flavor? Strawberry kiwi. Yeah. That'll be really good. All right. And then we've got, uh, yep, our gushers. And, yep, cavities are no big deal. Live in the south, you know. <laughs> messed up. Again, I mean, this is everything in moderation, right? I've still got some Bible in there. I've still got some church in there. I've still got some, some positive influence. It's like, this is, this is fine. This isn't canceling itself out yet, right? There's some other teachers that, that I really like. You know, one of my favorite teachers that, that helped me understand what's true and what's right, especially in this cultural moment like that we live in, the world that we live in, what really helps me determine what's right and wrong is my favorite news channel. Like the news really does a good job of this. Like whether that's for you, CNN or Fox, I have no idea, but the news really helps. And so uh, I want to throw that in here too. I got a cheeseburger from McDonald's. <laughs> what time is it? Uh, well, they're serving lunch now, but I didn't get this this morning. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. Um, yeah, this is a couple days old. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's kind of kind of moldy, but I guess the news after a couple days does the same. So we'll uh, we'll throw that in here. Should I blend it up? I mean, we came this far, right? You guys want to give a drum roll? You guys are awesome. Here we go. Uh, all right. So um, I was wondering if we could have any volunteer that would love to uh, try this. Pastor Greg, you love nutrition, right? I mean, you guys want to give it up for Pastor Greg? He's going to come. Yeah, that's just, let's get real, y'all. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. All right, church. I just want you to kind of, kind of soak this in with me for a moment. Do you see what's being illustrated here? Like, we can even make this a priority in our life and still miss out on the health that it actually wants to bring to our lives. Like there were people who were still incorporating and would show up and say, yes, this is entertaining. Yes, there's good stuff. Yes, it's helpful. But... I have no intention of actually integrating it into areas of my life. And I'm gonna pull in different teachers that help me to determine what I think is best. And when that, when that becomes the case, we start to, to, to completely cancel out the incredible things and the incredible health that this book wants to bring to our lives. See, a life that's integrated with the Bible is one who allows it to have authority on what's right and wrong. A life that is integrated with the Bible is one that allows this to be the authority on what is right and wrong. The Bible shows me what's right. Instead that we, we look for teachers that'll kind of itch our ears. And, and so I just kind of want to give a pro tip today. One pro tip I have is that Jesus is my teacher. Jesus is my teacher. In John 13, 13, Jesus said this. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. That's what I am. Like the Bible is full of what's true and corrects us with what's wrong, but 
at the core of the Bible, Jesus is the main character of this story. This book shows our need for Jesus, our need for a savior. And then it talks about him coming to earth and it talks about all of the things that he did and what he accomplished in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And then there was a movement that's shared about that happened after he ascended back into heaven. And it tells us a picture of what he's going to accomplish later. He is the main character. And while he was here on earth in the gospels, Jesus was referred to by name 90 times. 60 of those times that people addressed him directly, they referred to him as teacher or rabbi. Like those that walked among him, that were there around him, they saw him as their teacher. Jesus is a teacher and he's an incredible teacher. And he is the author along with God of this book for your life. And so one way that I am able to stay grounded in, in the truth that Jesus continues to teach me is I've, I just have made a commitment that I'm not gonna leave the gospels. I read, I read plenty of the Bible. I go through the Bible each year. I read other parts of the Bible, but I never find myself away from the Gospels. I will always link to a portion of the Gospels at some point in my reading plan, even if it's just one verse. And the Gospels, they're the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the accounts of Jesus's time here. And so I may be grabbing just one line of something he taught, or I'm gonna grab one chapter from one of the Gospels because that helps me to stay connected to Jesus throughout. Whenever I'm reading something else, I'm also asking the question like, how does this point to Jesus? Where is Jesus in this passage? Because this whole book is pointing to Jesus. He is the main character in this book. The Bible shows me what's right and Jesus is the one who can teach me. He is the one who can teach me. So I, I wanna ask you today, who's the teachers, like who are some of the teachers in your life? Who have you given influence to shape for you what's right and what's wrong? If they're grounded in truth, don't get me wrong, it's good to have other people giving counsel. But being sure that they're grounded in truth is so important and taking what other people say and testing it to be approved by this, this has to be the ultimate authority of what is right and wrong in our lives. Because this, this book does not falter. It's always been true, it is true, and it will always be true. Number two, the Bible shows me how to get it right. The Bible shows me how to get it right. Let's go back to that passage, 2 Timothy 3. All scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach us what's true, make us realize what's wrong in our lives, and it corrects us when we are wrong. It corrects us when we are wrong. The Bible has a way with the power of the Holy Spirit to turn on yesterday's movie and show us all of the ways that we have gotten it wrong. Show us the ways that our, our words have gotten it wrong, our decisions have gotten it wrong, our actions have gotten it wrong. It has a way of showing us what's wrong around us. But what I love about this book and our teacher, Jesus, is that he loves us enough not simply to turn on the movie and throw shame at us and make us believe that wrong is who we are, wrong is how we are, and wrong is how we'll always be. He teaches us and shows us a way that we can get it right. Jesus doesn't want to find us wrong and leave us there. He has a plan to help make things right. And this is where this book can move 
from something that exposes unhealth to moving people who trust it and follow it into a place of health. That is where this book starts to take power, is in obedience. Oswald Chambers said this, I love this quote. He said that one step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. One step forward in obedience is worth years of study about it. As we study what's wrong, Jesus invites us through this book to show us how to take a step of obedience towards what is right. And that is worth years of education and studying about what is wrong. Wisdom is when we receive that truth, that education, and we apply it. Proverbs says this, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. You grow in understanding. The Bible shows me how to get it right. And the second pro tip today is this, that the church is my accountability. The Bible shows me how to get it right and the church is my accountability. When I say the church, I'm talking about other people who trust and follow Jesus. The church are Jesus followers. So other people in my life, Katie and I are in a couples group. I'm in a men's group during the week. And those are crucial for me because as I sit with other people who are following Jesus, I'm able to learn so much and be inspired by how they are allowing this book to have authority over their lives, by how they're choosing to allow this book to encourage them on how they will lead their families, how they will love their families, how they'll act at work and and how they'll talk out in the community. And so I'm inspired, I'm encouraged when I share goals that I've got in my faith, they encourage me and they are also willing to challenge me. If they see me walking off base or if if I'm neglecting what God's asking me to do to get it right, if I'm not walking the way that this book shows me how these people have, have the influence in my life, they have the permission in my life and in my heart to call me out for it. The church is huge for this. And what's awesome is like Jesus doesn't just show us in this book how we can get it right. He put the church together so we didn't have to try to figure it out alone because we can't. He put the church together for a reason so that we can have that support and that accountability. In Hebrews, it says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. The Bible shows me how to get it right, and the church is my accountability in doing so. And then number three, for integrating the Bible into every area of my life, the Bible shows me how to keep it right. Let's go back to that anchor passage, 2 Timothy 3.16. We're gonna read the NIV version now. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, And here it is, training in righteousness. And training in righteousness. This is where the Bible teaches us how to train and be disciplined in what righteousness is. And just for clarity, righteousness is what God says is right in any situation. Let me say that again. Righteousness is what God says is right in any situation. This Bible shows us how we can train to continue following Jesus into righteousness. And this is the part where the transformation really takes place because it goes beyond what Jesus has done in me and for me and now what he's going to do through me. 
Now he is going to use the transformation that's taking place so that other people can see him. The reason we train in righteousness and we keep going, the, Bible, the, 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 the reason the Bible teaches us to keep getting it right is because now Jesus has trusted us to be his example to this world. And that's why right after this verse we've been anchoring in, in 317, 2 Timothy says this, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Like the reason all of this is here now for his followers is to prepare and equip you and I to do every good work. So my pro tip number three for keeping it right is that the mission is my motivation. The mission is my motivation. Like now that I've been transformed by Jesus, it's not simply meant to stay right here and be bottled up for me. There are other people who need to get in on, on this. So I wanna help other people find and follow Jesus. And that motivates me to choose to say, Jesus, I want to walk in righteousness. I wanna give you glory in such a way that others come to see your love and that others come to know you. The Bible shows me what's right. It shows me how to get it right and it shows me how to keep it right. The more time I spend in here, I just, I kinda wanna be vulnerable and you probably will relate if you've spent any time in here. The more time that I spend in here learning what's right, the more wrong I realize I am. Anybody relate? Like the more that I dig in to seeing what is right, what God intended for what's right in our world, what God intended for what's right in you and in me, the more wrong that I see out there and the more wrong I see in here, the more I'm exposed to how much I've gotten it wrong and how much I can't help but continue to get it wrong right now. And thank goodness the Bible shows me now how to get it right, but as I move to that phase in the process, I've started to recognize something that maybe you've found in your life. Sure, I've, I've, had some, I've had some short-term wins. I've had some moments where the Bible says that I should treat someone differently or own something or apologize or give. And, and so I start to adjust some things and, and God works. But the reality is there's a bunch of things that I've done in my life that I can't really fully get right. Like I can't take back what happened. I can't take back that thing that I said. I can apologize and I can do everything I can I can do everything I can within that relationship to make it whole again, but I can never take it back. I can't make it fully right and take back what I said or what I did. And so now I've got a problem there. Like it shows me what's right, it shows me how to get it right, but I can't seem to do that. But okay, maybe, maybe, maybe this is a clean start and a clean slate. From now on, from now on, I'm, I'm gonna get it right. I'm gonna keep it right. So I'll, I'll just leave that behind. I'm gonna turn a page. This is a new chapter period. But you know what the problem I find in this phase is? <laughs> no matter how hard I try, no matter how passionate I get about what God says is right in this word, I still can't keep it right perfectly. I still trip, I still fall, and I still make mistakes no matter how much effort I give, no matter how motivated I am, even by the mission to show others. And I feel stuck. Anybody relate? That's where the good news of this book comes in hand. 
In fact, that's why this book wants to show us what's right and how wrong things are around us and in us. And that's why this book wants to expose the fact that we can't do anything to fully get it right and we, we don't have the ability to keep it right because what this book is trying to show you is that your life has been disconnected from a righteous, perfect, holy God. He's righteous, perfect, and holy. He's your creator. You were created to long for that relationship. You were created to need that relationship, but you've been disconnected. All of the wrong that's gone on in you and because of you, because of your choices, it has separated you and disconnected you. And no matter what, you can never make up for it, get it right, or keep it right to earn your way back into his love. Like all we're talking about with integrating this into our life, it has nothing to do with us being able to earn his love. But that's the good news of this book is that that's not what he depended on. Instead, he had a plan all along to send a who that was right, to send a who that would get it right, and to send a who that could keep it right. And that is Jesus Christ. The main character of this book who came here and lived right <laughs> in the way that you and I could never do. He was right. He followed this book as authority and God's standard and God's word for authority of what is right. And he was able to do it perfectly. And so he did not have to disconnect from God. But instead of just doing that on his own, showing off and leaving us in our wrong, he instead said, you know what? Here's the deal. I'm going to offer to take the punishment for the wrong that you've done. And I will take that, that punishment. I'll take that sin and that shame and that wrong and I'll wear it and be crucified on a cross so that if you wanna connect with God, all you gotta do is call on me and me taking this punishment, it'll make it right. Jesus says, I will make it right. And he will make you right with God and he's going to make this world right with God. And not only does he have the capacity to make it right and wants to make it right in your life, but he's the only one who can keep it right. This wasn't a one-time event that just covered a section of your life or the past in your life. This word tells us that he died for the sins that we did, for the sins that we're doing, and for the sins that we're still going to do. Like he knows not just the worst of where you've been and what you've done. He knows the worst of who you are today and he knows what's wrong with your future and yet he loved you enough to make it right and offer you salvation that can keep it right for eternity. And there will be a day where there is no more sin, where there is no more wrong around us. But to be a part of that, you have to trust the one who is right. And in a moment, if you've never given your life to Jesus, we're gonna give you an opportunity to call on him to make it right in your life. But for those of us who've already been following Jesus, I share all that to say this. This book continues to overwhelm me with the amazing gift of salvation that Jesus gave to me. 
And the more time that I spend in this book, the more grateful I am. There's a psalm in here. David said, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. When I read this book, the joy of the moment of understanding that I couldn't make it right, but there was a Savior who did that for me, it overwhelms me. And when I'm overwhelmed with that, and then he tells me that this is used to prepare and equip me to do every good work so that others can see, now I'm motivated. Now I'm motivated. Jesus, I need your help. I may trip and fall, but you can help teach me what's right. You can help teach me how to start getting things right, and you can start teaching me how to keep things in my, right, my life right. And I know it's not gonna be perfect. Thank you for your salvation. But Lord, I want to be used and prepared for good works so that others can get in on it. That's why our mission as a church is to help other people find and follow Jesus. This wasn't for us to receive salvation and keep it hidden and contained in here. It was so that now, now we've received it. So we still, have, we still have life. We still have time here. This isn't our home. Our home's there. The better days are coming. So why are we still here? So that others can find and follow him. So Lord, I want this book to be the authority of what's right. I want to show a different way to this world by making things right that I do wrong. And I want to continue to do my best to be trained in righteousness for your glory. Matthew 5, 16 says that in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So as we conclude the series today, there's two action steps that I wanna encourage for us all together as a church. And there may be some specific things that the Holy Spirit has pointed out to you or is encouraging you on through this series or even today. And I'll encourage you to lean into that later. But collectively, the two things that I wanna encourage us on is, number one, we, we talked about it earlier in the service. This month, we're gearing up for Love Where You Live. And it's Saturday, October 29th, I want us as a church, all of us, all hands on deck to save that date. This is our opportunity to link arms together and to go make a loud statement in this community that we don't just look at this book as something for entertainment or this church as some form of entertainment inside of these four walls. But instead, we understand that the principles of this book are to love the community around us and show the light of Jesus. And we have that opportunity on October 29th. And it's, it's beyond Oconee County. We're gonna be in Anderson and Pickens County with our Pendleton campus as well. And this is our opportunity to get out into the upstate and we partner with local organizations that are making a difference in so many needs and areas in our community. We partner with schools in our community. And the purpose isn't to go out and, and do this to feel good about ourselves. It's to go out so that others may find and follow Jesus out of curiosity of saying, what is going on with that church, Foothills? Like, why are they so excited to get out there and serve and make a difference? We can't bottle it up. <laughs> We've got a Jesus who changed everything. And the wrongs that are in our community, we wanna be a part of his solution to help make those things right. And we wanna be a part of helping this community learn to keep things right based on the standards of this word and our savior, Jesus. So I wanna encourage you, circle that date, the 23rd of October, um, which is a couple Sundays from now. We'll, like Pastor Blaine said, we're gonna cut the service short. We'll have an opportunity to go sign up. It's gonna be incredible. But the second action step today, is that we've got a couple of tubs here for baptism. 
which is one of our favorite, not one of our, this is our favorite way to celebrate on a Sunday. The life change that someone makes. In last service, we had a baptism. And, and so we've got the tub set up and we don't have anybody who's confirmed or signed up, but we, we still put the water in today because we believe that there may be some people here in the room who have made a decision to ask Jesus to be your savior, but you've, you've yet to take that step to go public with your faith. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you that if this tells us what's right and shows us how to get it right and keep it right, what this book tells us is that after we've received Jesus, we're good, we, we have salvation, but part of being prepared and equipped to do every good work is trusting him with the steps that he put in place. And baptism is one of those steps where we can step out and shine his light by saying, Jesus changed me, he transformed me. And it may be a hard or a challenging step of obedience because you maybe didn't come prepared or planned for that today. I want you to know we've done everything we can to make it as easy as possible. We're gonna worship, we're gonna praise Jesus before we head out. And as that happens, if you wanna make that decision, you just head towards the lobby. We've got a team there. We've got everything you need to make that decision. And before we dismiss today, we will celebrate with you the decision that you've made to go public with your faith. This book, it's special. It has the power to transform everything in your life. But if we get far enough to put it into a rhythm and a discipline and we study it, we educate ourselves with it, but we stop at integrating it into every area of our life, we're not going to experience everything that God intended for this word to do in your life and in my life. Would you pray with me, church? If you're here and you've not given your life to Jesus, I wanna invite you right now. You might pray a prayer just like this. Jesus, I recognize that I'm wrong, that I've been wrong. I recognize that my sins have gotten it wrong. And so Jesus, today I, I'm calling on you because I need you. I need you to help make it right. And Jesus, I believe that you came and did what was right, that you lived perfectly. But I believe that you died for what's wrong in me and what's wrong in this world. And I believe that God raised you from the dead and that you've offered to me freely that Jesus, if I call on your name as savior, that you'll make it right, you'll make me right with God. And so Jesus, I'm asking that, would you make me right with God today? Would you make it right today, Jesus? I ask you to save me from my sins and make me right with you, God. And Jesus, would you help me to learn how to follow you into righteousness, train me in righteousness, teach me how to keep it right for your sake and your glory. I commit to follow you from this day forward. It's in your great name, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for us as a church, like as we come in to worship this song, Jesus, that we would, we would lift you high, that we would remember what you've done in our lives. And Lord, that we would be a group that is inspired, a group of people that is inspired, not just to know more about your word and not just to prioritize sections of our life around your word, but that we would be a people that allow you, God, to move in such a way that we integrate your word into every area of our life, into who we are at church, at home, in every relationship, in every avenue. 
Lord, that we wouldn't be a people who compartmentalize you, who peek in but are otherwise disconnected, but God, we would be a people that are connected to you through your word and transformed by your word so that we can point more people to find and follow you, Jesus. So it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray.